Hello everyone and welcome to the new episode of the Rachel Unpacked podcast. I'm your host Rachel Medina and this is technically a part two to my last episode keeping my baby alive where I share for the first time on record publicly um, about the sudden death of my son um, Abel and in that episode it was not very constructive as far as against what I had hoped it would be Um, but ultimately Your feedback has been absolutely phenomenal. It was less about trying to um, make people feel bad about me. It was more about giving and lending perspective Um, and also freeing me up in my healing process to be able to... um, openly speak about my son in future episodes so that I'm not sort of dodging that and avoiding that because of something as simple as referring to him in the present tense or the past tense. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, again, it, if you're wanting to follow on social media, you can follow the show at Rachel Unpacked on um, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok. <laughs> I always laugh when I say TikTok. It's just such a fun place. Um, and if you want to follow me, follow me um, on those platforms as well. You can follow me at Rachel Medina 101. So in this episode, I'm going to dive in more on the aspect of being a person on the outside who isn't sure what to do or how to be there for someone who is grieving. I'm also going to talk to you if you're a person who is grieving um, just to kind of lend some insights, especially if you've just recently lost someone very close to you near and dear, okay? Okay, first things first, I'm going to tell a little continuation of the story about my son or about his passing where I sort of left off in the last episode. Um, So I share how my son died suddenly. I shared how I got that call, like what that call was. Um, I shared how I felt or what I remembered and didn't remember and some elements of his life and really from the perspective of being a mom, being his mom and stuff like that. But what I want to do is start this episode with the day after the funeral. Um, So I'm Latino and Although I'm an only child and I only had two sons, two children, I'm actually 
part of a really big family and it's not uncommon in the Latino culture. I mean, lots of people have huge families. I mean, I know someone that is Caucasian and has like 11 or 12 siblings. So, you know, big families are a common thing and oh my gosh, I highly encourage them. It's just such a beautiful thing. Um, I'm sure they come with their fair share of problems, but it just seems like a really wonderful thing. So, um, anyways, I have a big family. And so his funeral had a lot of people and he had a lot of friends. He was very social and he cared about everyone and he loved having a good time and he loved living life to the fullest as I described in the last podcast. And with that, I mean, and you know, and because of social media, he's, you know, millennial, he was, see, there I go, present or past tense. Um, because he was a millennial, um, you know, he grew up in the age of like instant messenger and texting and social media. So he, he used it to the fullest. So he was always in contact with people um, with, you know, Facebook Messenger and texting and Instagram and DMs and all that. And all the time I used to say, man, if you got paid <laughs> to communicate uh, with people on social media, you'd be rich, right? Um, but it's just part of his generation. Um, my younger son is five years younger, so he's technically like a Gen Z. So he's that generation that's a little bit over the whole social media thing. Um, they're like too cool for that, right? <laughs> so um, I'm telling you that just to kind of lend perspective to the fact that he had over 600 people at his funeral and not all of them were family. Um, a lot of young people from our community attended his funeral, even though it was like an hour away from where we live in Los Angeles County, Long Beach to be exact. So um, with that, he has a big family because his dad has lots of siblings and lots of cousins and I have lots of aunts and uncles and they all gave me lots of cousins and even my cousins have kids, you know, who are his age and younger and stuff like that. So it just goes on and on. It was just a lot of people on top of the fact that his friends went and then we had our meaning his dad myself um other people you know invited like friends who knew him um as i mentioned before abel worked for a period of time in my job and, and even when he didn't um many of you who know me know that the line of work I'm in, I get to meet a lot of really interesting people. And I always, since my boys were like five years old, would take my sons in their little business suits or whatever to go meet my clients or meet my coworkers or business associates or take them to like red carpet events and just really expose them to the life that I lived for a living and I say that because I really believe um, what you do for a living doesn't define you so even though I got to 
I get to do these really fun things. A lot of them now are just because friends invite me to these things and it's not related to work at all. Um, and so anyways, my sons would get to participate in these things and I'd always bring them along. I was always good for a plus two. Um, and so a lot of people came to know him as they know my younger son. So they just know that we're like three peas in a pod and we would do everything together. Um, and so I'm setting that up because what I'm describing, and this isn't going to be the case for any everyone who loses someone they love, um, who's grieving, some of you might have a really tiny, tiny, intimate family um, and feel like it's just come and gone, okay? Like one moment they were here, the next minute they're gone, it's just like a flash. I want you to know that even though, you know, Abel had this huge family and all these friends and there was people upon people flying in from, you know, Mexico and from the East Coast and the Midwest and just from up north and here in Northern California, Northern California, you know, oh my God, there was just a lot of people. So what I'm saying is we didn't have a lot of time alone. In fact, we didn't have any time alone from the moment I got the call to the moment the first person showed up. So when I got the call, the first person who was who we notified and I say we but I don't even know who called my ex-husband um I think it was my younger son to be exact um basically called him and said hey you need to get down here and I guess yeah that's right it was my younger son and he was saying to him um I'll tell you when you get here and you know to have to be so young and to just have lost the second you found out you lost your brother to then have to pick up the phone and call your dad and your while your mom is screaming um and then not tell him why you know there's a high level of consideration in that act of just get down here and we will talk to you um once he was in the house and he saw me crying and just um a mess obviously he was just like what's going on you know and um then we told him and then of course he broke down so the next person who was notified um, I don't know. I just know that the first person who showed up was my brother-in-law, Mike. Um, and so we spent time together. He was a mess, obviously, because he was very close to my sons, especially to Abel. So, um, so what I'm saying is we weren't really alone. Um, from the moment we got the news... I mean, it was Adrian and I and my mom, and really it was like, my mom was making calls, Adrian was on the phone with his dad, like, so I had a few moments um, before his dad showed up and then his brother and, and so on. And so, it's, it, 
to be alone is like for me wasn't an option it just wasn't there's just so many people who loved him dearly and love us you know and want to be there for us so um we weren't alone and this went on so this little group of like five or six of us turned into like a hundred quick like quick my house was packed um and you're talking he passed away on the night of valentine's day last year and um and you know in me even in that moment my mom was like who do you want me to call who do you want me to reach out what do you and, and i was like i i call who you have to do what you have to do but i knew i wasn't gonna like post anything of course in that moment you're not even thinking of social media but I did tell um Abel's best friend who arrived right away that night Stevie and he was a mess and of course he's like what do I do and his instinct was like to post it or to message all the friends and all I told everybody that was in the room in my living room I said let's not post anything on social media until tomorrow and my mindset and this is maybe some advice if you've lost someone and how to contact everyone I mean I have most of my family and my in-laws on Facebook and so granted it makes sense to post something but I knew that wasn't the way for someone to find out and so I didn't even want his friends to find out like that so what we did was um, my mom actually and my ex-husband and my brother-in-law and Abel's best friend they sort of got together and started notifying all of his friends and then all of the um, his dad's side of the family and then my mom was notifying um, our side of the family both my mom's and my dad's side um, you know which is a big family um, notifying everybody and then Adrian I don't think he was on the phone I don't remember but he was like next to me the whole time and he and I were not on the phone um, there were a couple people who called and I did answer the phone and we didn't speak. I could just hear them crying. Um, and a, a few calls were like that. Um, and so there was a, there, a sense of organization in that people stepped forward. So like my brother-in-law stepped forward Abel's best friend stepped forward and my mom right and so between those three everyone was being contacted from the moment we got the news all that night all through the night keep in mind it's Valentine's Day so people are like on dates and it's like sexy time and I'm sure people vowed to like not be on their phones and stuff like that so I was feeling like oh my god I just don't want to interrupt people's nights and I, I believe it or not I felt like I felt like bad about that but I also knew that I'd want to know if I was on the other side of the fence 
so again they was they were texting and calling and and just managing all that correspondence and so then the next day so now this is february 15th i open up abel's laptop which was logged in to his facebook and just before that i created on an app i have on my phone a little graphic and i put like his photo and then i put um like RIP and then I put his birth date, his death date and his name and said, we love you. Um, and what I did was I posted that to his Facebook the next day and I, the comment post was, um, or the, what I wrote, the caption on the post was, unfortunately, the news is true. Um, Abel passed away last night and here is a link to the article um, because the local news outlets were already reporting on it. And so instead of just writing this whole big thing, I was able to just put a link and they can read it. And I posted the picture and I thanked everyone who was in his life and um, told them that I'd be posting one other update on his account um, once the services have been arranged. What that did was, again, maintain a sense of organization. So all the people who were contacted first were his closest friends and family, okay? We made sure everyone, they made sure everyone had at least a voicemail, a text message, both. Some people were called multiple times. We understood that on the East Coast, it was kind of late already. So some family members would be getting the news when they woke up and things like that. So I waited till about noon on the 15th the next day to do that post. If I recall, I might be wrong, but so we po I posted the next day on his account. And of course, from there, all the floods of comments. And so then his best friend, Stevie, did a wonderful job and went in and said, hey, for any of you guys that want to talk, please give the family peace and you can DM me. Again, stepped right up and just helped with that situation. So then I'm not bombarded with a million messages on my, you know, my messenger that I wasn't going to probably read anyways or even respond to. Um... So I'm sharing those little things because they make a big difference. So if you are someone whose friend or family member lost someone and you want to be there for them, that's the kind of stuff that really helps out in the beginning. Like to say, don't be on your phone. Don't answer on phone call. Don't worry. Like, do you want me to contact your family? Like, I can do a post on Facebook. I can, you know, there's all these different things that you can help out to spread the word, um, you know, to manage the correspondence, to become like a go-to that people can call and be like, oh my God, what happened? What's going on? How is he or she doing? Like, what does he or she need? Versus like calling the person who is 
grieving massively at the moment. Um, and so for me, for Adrian, obviously my son, my, you know, it was a blessing that we had that sort of tactical approach. Um, I mean, there was a ton of people trying to get a hold of me. So for that part, it was, it was unfortunate. But let me tell you this. I probably had like 500 text messages. It was so many. But you know what I was able to do? I was able to once I was just kind of laying and resting. I didn't want to talk to anybody. That was for sure. But I was able to like go on my phone and just look at a few messages and read them and respond thank you and then what i did was i kind of created some general responses so it was like thank you so much love you um i'll let you know we're we're gonna let you know as soon as we know more about any kind of arrangements um for now, I'm not taking any calls, but I'm reading your messages. Um, so if you don't respond, just know I'm reading them and I appreciate them and I appreciate you and, you know, pray for us. Um, whatever the requests you might have. And then what I would do is I'd copy and paste at first, like the first 50 I was responding to. And I realized I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm just going to be sitting here this whole time responding. And I didn't want to not respond. I wanted people to understand that I see them. And I feel them and so i just started copying and paste 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 you know paste and send paste and send and it made such a huge difference for me because i felt like i i touched everyone and, and they could feel me just as i could feel them even if i couldn't fully like connect with them um so that's one thing and i know it's so hard to even think about what to do or anything in that situation, who has it in their right mind to be organized or whatever, but um, those things help. They genuinely help because no one's left out, you know, in the dark, like, what? why isn't she taking my call? Or why aren't they responding to me, but they responded to like Susan, you know? And so it's just a way to help. You could even have someone else get your phone and copy and paste those responses. And then later when you're feeling like you're in bed and you just can't speak, but you just want to read the messages, um, at least you know they were responded to. And if you have a, something a little extra you want to add to someone's, tax then you can but at least everybody was responded to um the next thing that was really quite interesting was obviously um people were getting my address and things like that from these people on our on our team right so essentially the best friend you know the brother-in-law the, the grandma which is my mom you know as a tactical team being the go-to people to answer questions and stuff so they were giving out you know our address they were creating their own sort of you know messages with all the information and sending it out um and as 
the sh the flowers arrived which was like a lot of the doorbell was ringing all the time people were showing up all the time and people were showing up and staying so they they were staying all day and i mean every single person who showed up um had food pastries coffee um i mean you name it they brought they brought it um bottles of alcohol <laughs> you know and the, and what was great about that is even if they came and they only stayed for like 20 minutes to give me a hug or whatever the situation the situation was what was amazing is as more people showed up, I didn't feel like I had to like be a hostess, okay? I didn't feel like I had to be like, oh, do you want some coffee? No, it was like all laid out, organized on our counter, all the foam coffee cups and and the coffee pot and the pastries here and the food over here and in the oven was this and on the stove was this. From all the stuff that people, so as people showed up and they brought their kids and they want to stay and they want to like and by the way it's like a reunion so now they're seeing people at my house that they haven't seen in years and there's just people everywhere and so what's nice is like people could just go grab a quick plate or if they brought their kids it's like they can go grab some like chicken and you know potato salad or whatever some pie or just cookies and like I said fruits or pastries vegetables or whatever and then the kids can sit down and eat and and so it was really neat that way not one time was I like oh my gosh you know do I, need, do I gotta go to the store do somebody have to cook so that is phenomenal like that is just such a huge help especially if you have a bigger family and you know, just keep that in mind when you're coming to the family's home. Try your hardest not to come empty handed because every little bit helps. You might just have one little box of donuts, but just know that that's a huge help. OK, um, paper plates, napkins, so, you know, sodas, water bottles, like cases of water, things like that. All that helps. Um, and the one thing that I was going to mention a little bit ago was um, as the doorbell kept ringing and ringing, it was flowers and notes and these gifts that were so amazing, prayer blankets, um, I mean, just jewelry, custom jewelry, I mean, just so, um, such amazing, thoughtful things. But something stood out to me. Um... Denine, who I've mentioned a lot on my podcast, who's like my right hand girl, right? In business and stuff. She did something really interesting. She sent me little note cards and they were arriving like every other day. And like the first day was, I don't know, you know she was calling and texting and doing all that too. But, um, but she was sending these like note cards and every time a new note card would show up in the mail, um, it would have a new little message for her from her that she was thinking about me and that you know whatever nice little message and then she included like a five dollar gift card to starbucks okay a couple days later 
here comes another one and then another one with these little gift cards and and the cards were designed the gift cards were designed to just kind of get me out so even if i didn't leave the house i could send someone to get me starbucks and just give them the gift card and then i'd have you know my morning ritual or something that felt a little bit normal i'm a chai hot chai tea latte drinker so it was like you know don't forget to to you know treat yourself with a little chai the warmth of a little chai and i i kept all those notes um every note that was written to me i kept and one thing um how do i want to say this one thing that was interesting is all the notes, you know, that came on the flowers and just different things, sitting there reading note after note after note was some people I didn't even know. I didn't even know these people, a lot of people. I mean, it was like my ex-husband's co-workers. I mean, friends of friends. I mean, just so many notes and just reading them I just want you to know if you're that person who writes notes, um, oh my God, do they make a difference? I can't even begin to tell you. It's not like, and I didn't read them right away. It was like at the end when everything was over and you're cleaning stuff up and everyone's gone. That, the, that you start reading the notes and I had ordered thank you cards. So I was like trying to look at all the notes and then write little replies and stuff, um, which it turned out to just be thank you. Like <laughs> I, I just didn't have the mindset to write custom messages to everyone. But let me tell you this, have a system in place, quickly designate the go-to people the people that are going to be your air traffic controllers that are going to be there. It's like if you get married, you have bridesmaids, right? And so you have the maid of honor and then you have the bridesmaids and everybody has their tasks. Think of it like that. Okay. So a death happens and it's like a, a man go to the wife and go, okay, I want to be part of the like bridal party, so to speak. You're not going to say that. But in a way, look at it like that and go, hey, I will navigate all the food situations. So as people bring food, I'll pack up leftovers. I'll set out, you know, I'll do the setting. I'll manage food. You manage, I'll do food and drinks. You manage this X, Y, Z. I'll, you know, you do this, this, this. You know, pick people that are like the go-to people. Um, and it'll make a huge, huge difference if you can. So that's, you know kind of leading up to the funeral and then the funeral happened. Um, and then let's talk about after the funeral. So after the funeral, everyone leaves because the funeral is essentially the pinnacle of like the entire event. Okay. And that's the place where people then, you know, they really cry. They pay their respects to the family, to the person that passed away. And that's sort of the ritual. And when everybody leaves, they essentially move on with their lives. And I think it's really important if you've lost someone to really manage your expectations of others during this time, because in the weeks, like three weeks before we buried my son, 
we were never alone, right? There's people, people, people. And it, we got to a point where we just wanted to be alone, but we understood that wasn't possible. And especially people arriving from out of the country and stuff like that. So my son, Adrian, he would go in his car and take off and just go sit at a park or go to wherever. And he went to a movie by himself. It broke my heart. Um, I asked him, why, why did you go to the movies by yourself? And he said, I might as well get used to it. Because obviously not having his brother. But he needed just a moment. And so that's normal to feel like that. Um, it's normal to feel like that. The shower is the, your best friend because you get to be by yourself. Um, but once everyone's gone, you have to remember life moves on for them. They will reflect back and go, oh, I hope she's doing okay or I hope they're doing okay. But just know their life moves on. They're back to work. They're back to living their normal lives and stuff like that. And they don't understand necessarily that yours is still stuck on pause. So in talking about that, again, I'm a year and a couple months out from my son's death. And I chose within, I think it took me five weeks to get out. Um, I chose about a month, just shy of a month of his funeral. So that was about five weeks after he died to go to a friend's birthday party. And I went out. I didn't look right. I had my hair in a bun. I was wearing, I don't know what, like I didn't care. <laughs> and I went with my son Adrian because they were going to like commemorate my son Abel or something. But anyways, and it was like a little pink carpet, little party thing. Um, but we went and I didn't want to go. We didn't want to go, but we went because I knew it would make my friend happy, but also I knew we had to show up for our lives and we had to like show up for others. And, you know, cause grief is a very selfish thing too. So it's like, but not in a bad way. Just F, clear that up. So we show, we go and we show up. And that's, that doesn't fare well with a lot of people, especially if you're posting on social media and they're like, wait, what? Like her son just died. She's already out there doing that. Um, just know that everything's fake. Okay. So like after you see someone go through a massive loss and then they go out and they're like smiling and laughing, that's just part of showing up. That's, there's still a shell of a person. And let me tell you, when you go through something like that, you miss your own laugh. You miss your own joy. And so it's important to show up for your life. And in doing that, you have to recognize that you're still grieving and you're still empty inside. And no one's really going to understand that. People are going to come up. They're not going to really know what to say. They might want to talk to you about it. So if you're listening to this and you know someone who just is grieving, just know for me anyways, it was okay for people to come up and talk to me about it. It was a good thing when they came up and were like, so what happened? Because not everybody fully knew. Not everybody's on Facebook reading the articles, right? 
And so it was good. It would make me cry for sure. So don't make the goal of, I don't want to make them cry. That's okay. Literally, the tears are just love. That's trapped, right? It doesn't know where to go. That's what I keep reading. Um, and so it's okay. Don't let other people go, oh no, don't bring that up. You're going to upset them. No, I feel, and this is my opinion, I'd love for any of you who have lost someone to chime in. I feel like to ignore it is so much worse. Like, it's not about wanting people to feel sorry for you. And it's not like you want to spend the whole hour talking about it. But to acknowledge it, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, but to acknowledge it, and it's okay if the tears flow, it's okay if you put their, your hand on their shoulder and say, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, but just know I'm so glad you showed up today. Okay? Acknowledge that the act of them showing up is a huge deal because the natural tendency is to curl up in the be in bed and just never get out of bed. Okay, so again, if you've lost someone that you love, you know, just know that their lives are moving on. They don't feel the way you feel. They don't react the way you react. They're not you. You are your own person. You're your unique person and no two people are alike. And so some people are more dramatic and open with their feelings and their depression or sadness over the thing. And some people are more reserved. And so for me, I, I was more reserved, but I was more than willing to talk about it with anyone who asked. I mean, I love my son and I don't mind talking about even the way he died. Um, not a lot of people have had the courage to talk to me about that specific moment. Um, and that's okay, but maybe a part of me feels like I would have um, made more progress in this healing and mourning journey and acceptance journey had more people had the courage to talk about it because I'm not going to bring it up. Like most people aren't going to bring it up. Like you're going to have to go to them and you're going to have to take that risk of hearing them go, why would you ask me that? Like, how dare you? Like, you know, so you're going to find a really sort of gentle way to just say, Hey, listen, I am really curious to know how you're doing. I'm really curious to hear the story. But when you're ready, if you're ready now, let's step over to the corner. Let's talk about it. If you're not ready, let's go have coffee. But I, I want to be there. I want to be a listening ear for you. And they still might reject you. Listen, I have a friend <laughs> who texted me like on my birthday a month ago. And she was like, you know, you've never come to open up to me. And you know, you can. And, you know, if we're good friends, you should be able to do that. And I appreciate and love that she said and did that. And she's frustrated, I think, with me with that because she's taking it personal, but it's not at all. It's me, if anything, going, okay, am I ready to do the ugly cry? Because if it's just me and a friend on, on a couch in our sweats, you know, drinking tea and I'm going to let it out, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly, but it doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean it's bad. 
So just keep that in mind. Um, and I talk about that in the last podcast as well. If someone's pushing you away and stuff like that, it's okay. They love you. They just don't want to overburden you with the level of pain. To them, it's a massive amount of pain. So I can't, like for myself, and I can't imagine offloading that onto someone, not even with my own mom yet, right? So it's like, I'm doing it here probably more than I've done it anywhere with anyone, okay? So just to put it in perspective, um, the next thing, so again, after the funeral, life goes on, people move on with their lives and you're still stuck and that's normal. And like I said, a year and something later, I'm still stuck. I do show up for things. Well, not right now. We're on quarantine for coronavirus. But after that whole year, I was showing up. I was going to events and movie screenings and this event and Disneyland. And I was keeping busy. I was getting fresh air with my son. Um, we went to the beach. We go out to eat. We go to the movies. I mean, we were just trying to find our footing and uh, feel a little normal, even though in many of those instances, we were missing Abel like crazy. There was plenty of times where I was driving in my car on the way to like Disneyland. And I was like, okay, I just need to breathe. I just need to breathe. Like, because we would do that together, the three of us. Um, things like that. Okay. Um, but, you know, try your hardest to, you know, get out and do those things, but also know that you're not fully you. You're not. It, it, the one thing that's going to stop you from focusing on it and crying all the time is the same thing that's kind of blocking your healing. But if you just lay in bed and cry all the time in the name of healing, you're going to delay your re-entry into life. And so I had to ask myself these things. One, what would Abel want? Abel loved how happy I was. He loved how spontaneous I was and adventurous and how I just couldn't sit at home. Like we had to go do all these fun things all the time. And so can you imagine if you believe that when someone passes, they're looking down on you or they somehow see your life and how they left it and how they left you? Would I want him to be feeling responsible for killing my joy and feeling or knowing that he's responsible for leading my life into poverty because now I don't want to work? or for deterring me from believing in my dreams and in myself and throwing it all away because I don't have him anymore. When he was one of my biggest cheerleaders, my biggest champions of go for it, you know? So to just come to a complete stop forever, oh, what a disservice, what a dishonorable thing for him is what I feel. So I challenged myself to believe and imagine that he's still seeing me and he's still cheering for me. But if I'm laying in bed crying every day, that could only just weigh heavy on his spirit. And I didn't want that. The second thing I didn't want that helped me show up for my life sooner rather than later is I didn't want my son Adrian to feel like he lost his brother and his mom. 
that was a huge one. Huge, huge motivator. Um, how do I mourn, truly grieve my son that I just lost and assure my younger son that I'm going to be okay? How does anyone do that? I didn't, I don't know. So all I knew to do after that initial phone call, um, I cried as people showed up because you could feel their pain for me and I could feel their pain for themselves and the loss of Abel. But as I would hug them and I would be my chin over their shoulders, I'd see Adrian standing there watching. He was so strong. And he was assessing what this is going to do to his mom. I knew he had his own shock and pain, but he was trying to be strong for me. And I knew he was like, if this is how it feels for me to lose my brother, it could only be 10 times worse for my mom to lose her child. I mean, he literally told me that later on. But I could see it in his eyes. It's like, it's hard to explain, but like, I look, I would look at him looking at me as I interacted with the people who came in crying and hugging me. And with each one, with each one, with each one, I'd cry, but then I'd look up and see him and then I'd just take a deep breath and just give him like a little look, a little smile, a little, not a wink, but a little something that he can see in my eyes that it's going to be okay. I didn't believe it at the time. I didn't believe it any time that I did that. But I knew I had to make sure he didn't lose his mom also. And till this day, a year and something later, I'm still on a mission to make sure that Adrian gets to keep his mom. The mom that he play with. I'm telling you, he's 21 years old and I say the mom that he plays with, but we wrestle. <laughs> like, we play board games. We watch funny movies. Um, you know, we do a lot of stuff together. Not as much as when Abel was here because Abel was like the life of the party. So it is different. But when I share that with you, it's because I want you to gain perspective that we're still trying. We're still trying. And so on your journey to healing from grief, it's really truly one step out of time. It's really truly time that heals you, but also you got to get in the game. Like you got to show up for work and like go to lunch with your coworkers and like jump on the calls if you can with your clients and, you know, show up, you know, Go to the shower, cry, go to bed, pray, cry, wake up in the morning, put on your makeup, get in your car, cry, you know, um, have a couple go to people, you know, that you can just, hey, oh my gosh, I really miss him. Like there is one person um, that is kind of who we made an agreement 
to just talk and that's my ex-husband and I because we were actually like fighting a lot you know we don't live together we're not you know he's moved on with his life I've moved on with mine and we're friendly but here's this big stressful situation that you know had us bumping heads and so we you know I just remember calling him finally one day and saying listen you and I are the only people on the planet that can understand each other. So maybe we do one phone call a week, just him and I in a private place where we could talk to each other, or we could do one coffee meeting a week. And so we ended up doing both. So we'd get on the phone and just talk and hear each other out and cry. And then we'd meet for coffee and just sit there for an hour and like share and then cry um, and not even hugging each other or anything, just listening and looking at each other from across the table and just having our coffee and just getting through it. And we did that for a little while. I wouldn't even tell anyone that I was leaving to go meet him. I would just go meet him. But and I come back and I'd, I felt better. I felt understood. And it and even though we butt heads all the time, um, we really don't see out of eye, out of eye on a lot of things or we'd probably still be married. But um that was something that we made a conscious decision to be there for each other in that way with boundaries and limits but at the same time just like the walls are down and just spilling it out in a way that we wouldn't want to burden anyone else with and you know what it really helped out um it really helped us each out we don't really do that anymore but we did the first like four months or something like that. Um, and so anyways, that's really what I wanted to share is that there's no right or wrong way to do this, but just know the notes matter. The text messages matter. You don't have to be there because those things are being there because when we're mourning and we're grieving and we're just alone in our thoughts and we come across that message that note it matters it matters you could be a stranger if you see something on the on the news or social media try to find a way to get them a note they may never respond to you but it but it lands okay and also know that everyone's life is if you're the one that lost someone everyone's life is moving on do a lot. We had over 600 people come to that funeral and very few people since then have ever messaged Adrian or me to see how we're doing. Very few. I think five total. I think there's five for me, maybe 10 max, max. That's like being very generous of the number of people who regularly check on us and like no one comes here. Like we haven't had a single visitor in the year in a couple months since he passed. Um, just to put it into perspective, it doesn't mean they don't care. It's because they don't know what to do. Okay. So at the end of the day, just know your presence matters. Showing up once in a while matters. Someone left flowers on my doorstep on the anniversary on Valentine's I don't know who they're from whoever you are you matter that mattered big time um, little text messages just I have some friends that just like hey B how are you doing like all that matters in such a massive way 
And so again, if you're the one who lost someone, just know that not everyone's going to show up anymore. Life moves on. And so you just want to manage your expectation of others. They're going through their own process and they have their own lives. And you have to understand life goes on, even if it feels like it's not moving on for you. So, you know, try not to hold resentments. Try not to do that to yourself at all or to your family or your friends. Don't do that. That's not fair to them. And it doesn't define what kind of friend they are either. It's it's so hard to explain. Um, in those situations, the people who you would never think show, will show up for your life are the ones that show up and the ones that you've thought this whole time are going to be there for you are the ones that just can't. Um, it doesn't mean they don't want you. It doesn't mean they're not praying for you or thinking of you. It's just they just don't. Okay. So I hope that that lends some perspective that you are essentially responsible for pulling yourself up and out of this. And that's the crazy thing because it's the last intuitive thing you want to do. You want to just curl up and you want to just die, unfortunately. Um, I described it as seeing my baby run and fall into a well. And my instinct was to drop ever is to drop everything and run in and dive in after him. That's what it feels like but you can't do that you you're still here and there's a reason you're still here you have uh, blessings in you to to provide to others you're a blessing to others whether you know it or not and you still got to be here for me it was for adrian you know obviously my mom and just people i love and care about but first and foremost, it was Adrian, you know, and so just find that one reason and click or I should say cling to it to just get yourself up and out and just showing up for your life again, even if it's just a dress rehearsal. It's still progress. That is it. That is all I have for you. Moving forward on the Rachel Unpacked podcast, I'm going to be openly just talking about mentioning my sons as it's relevant or pertains to a particular podcast. At least now, if you've heard these last two episodes, you're aware that whether I mention him in the present or past tense, because that's still something I'm dealing with, um, that you know his story and that I've honored him. Um, and I'm not pretending he's not here um it's something that I'm dealing with every single day um every single day but you know what this podcast has actually helped me in my journey and if you're someone that's lost someone or you are someone that wants to be there for someone that's grieving literally know that this podcast is both for both of you and know that 
you can DM me, post comments, let other people share in uplifting you um, and helping you find direction and purpose and just know that there's no right or wrong way. Everybody goes through this process completely uniquely. And so I'm no different, but I'm so grateful to each and every one of you who have showed up to listen to this episode to every episode oh my gosh youtube 7000 impressions come on <laughs> i didn't even want to do these videos uh anymore i just like doing the podcast part but thank you so much for tuning in i look forward to sharing amazing stuff coming up with regards to wealth wednesdays and faith fridays mondays are mindset mondays and i'm going to get a little bit more deeper on each of the mindset things coming up here and then also going into the wealth. I have some really exciting things about the wealth. I wasn't going to do it because of the whole quarantine coronavirus thing, but I have some really neat things that I think I want to share. So keep an eye out for that as well as Faith Fridays. Have a wonderful week and thank you for tuning in.